0: We started early. Thank you for joining us for season twenty-six, episode what did I say twelve of Happy Jack's RPG podcast. Now in progress.
1: <laughs> Thanks, Stu. There, this go is ahead, your Terry. Yabble guesting for the first time. I was reading <laughs> uh, some thoughts from our dear friend uh, about RPGs set at court. Um, So the wheels are turning, but we try to keep one wheel a little bit bigger. It is easy to get lost in the plots and side plots and side plots and side plots. My personal preference is to try to have a main thing or um, a prime mover that happens to start the action. This will help jumpstart the the players into figuring out how they stand. I like to have the prime mover as it helps me define who the NPCs and or factions are and how they react, support, oppose, be neutral, head for the hills, violence, intimidation, and on. On, Um, I love this idea, actually. Side note, I love this. The prime mover can be all kinds of things. Succession, various crisis, negotiating treaties, declarations of war, and on. The function of the prime mover is to provide a direction, maybe a goal, and a way to insert tension for the players. If the prime mover doesn't do things you will need to find those things either from the outside or from the players themselves that will make them maybe a little scared. Um, It is like adding extra tension, um, a mainspring for the story you are telling altogether. Um, Enjoy subplots brought by player character and also NPC motivations. Explore them. It is also very satisfying to let them naturally conclude. Do not let the subplots overwhelm the Prime Mover. If you get lost in the subplots, some games turn into, like, the last season of that TV show Lost. Um, Sooner or later, you just kind of forget what the whole thing was about and your attention is shot, which they definitely did on that show. (laughs) Two be patient i tend to let these things conclude too quickly if you can maintain tension about the prime mover or subplot keep that issue unresolved as long as you can draw it out if you find that tension about the prime mover is lacking then ratchet it up or allow that plot eventually just to conclude three what's on the calendar it is easy to get lost in the scheming of plotting um, and subterfuge. it is a good idea to have a calendar of events the world goes on. There are festivals, there are birthday parties, Christmas. Um, I sometimes tie the Prime Mover to a date. Something is going to happen on this date and the players have to stop it or start it or whatever before this time. Thanks for drinking, MRCJ. P.S. Okay, so I actually have four things about quarterly Games. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can steal, steal, steal. I steal plot lines, characters, and settings from movies and shows all the time. Here are a list of great um, um, things that I've stolen from, blatantly ripped off and used in courtly game settings. These are great. I love this one. King Lear by William Shakespeare and also ran the movie from 1985. I love the plot line of someone with supreme power. His ego is so large. He or she makes bad life changing and end-gaming dis- and endangering decisions. Othello. I love Bob Hoskins as Yago in the 1981 made-for-TV version. He is pretty fabulous in that. Kind of gleefully evil person. <laughs> oh, they seek him there. They seek him here. Those Frenchies seek them everywhere. That is the Scarlet Pimpernel is also great. Also the dozens of Zorro movies that are out there to maintain a place of court. At court, um, the players need to act one way with people in power, and then they act a whole other way with this, as they support people within the revolution. Um, the Three Musketeers, great uh,
2: source you gotta be careful with that one because really the only good one is the one from the 70s with Michael York and uh, it had it's probably the best performance by uh, Charlton Heston as Richelieu ever, he's great uh,
1: yes, agreed agreed
2: I uh, say that only because I saw what, The Three and Four Musketeers just recently, it was on television and it still holds uh-huh. up
1: nice, I feel like now I need to rewatch that we've got some time um, The Manchurian candidate uh, from nineteen sixty-two, someone at court is an assassin or enemy agent. Great film. Um, Doctor Strangelove. We were just talking about That's this Great, story Yes, we were Bard. <laughs> Quoting the film. Um, great film, very quotable as well, too, and also Fail Safe, which uses the same source novel for both the screenplays. Seven Days in May from nineteen sixty-four, Wag the Dog. Mm-hmm. I, Claudius, more frightening than that it is kind of based on things that really happened, including episodes during the reign of Caligula, and of course Blackadder, brilliant show where I've stolen about a half dozen characters, so that is all of that. Excellent.
2: Cheers to that, that's pretty great. Yeah, huh? that's a good list and he's, it's a very well thought out article, I really like that. Mm-hmm. I personally have a real hard time running courtly stuff for some reason I just, I, I can't get wrapped up in the pomp and circumstance and I have a hard time selling it, and I have a hard time building tension and it's not that I don't understand them or appreciate them. I just don't. I'm just not able to do it. I don't know why.
0: I would be interested to try a, an L five R game that maybe starts. You know, because in L five R and uh, the, the setting Rokagon where it takes place, it gets super cold in the winter. So all of the courts happened in winter, because no one Ooh. can travel. So any emissaries you're going to send to another clan you send them, you know, at the end of fall before the before the snow starts. So and and they're basically locked up until spring. Wow. And they and the court lasts throughout winter, which I think it, it is both good and bad because it's very since it's so difficult to travel, it's dangerous to travel. So they're right. stuck there so if if it's not going very well, is it like if you're having trouble running your court game um you're gonna have to kind of suspend reality a little bit to get out of it, although you'd have a you, uh, you, i suppose you could start it you didn't have to start it at the beginning of winter, but I would like to start it have a have a game that starts at a winter court and then mm-hmm. stuff happens whatever happens happens, and then it m- goes on to a a re- regular travel game that'd be kind of fun i
2: mean. We- Having played in a couple of your L5R games, too, you're actually very good at the courtly stuff. It, I've always been amazed at how well you are able to cause some intrigue. You definitely have machinations going on behind the scenes, whether the players are part of it or not. Right. Because sometimes uh, some of the NPCs say things or allude to things that clearly you've thought out or have going on, and we may or may not even be involved in it. But it's, it's fascinating to watch you do that, because I'm like, how did he know to do that? How did... It, it's you've obviously done your work, or or maybe it's you know from working in the corporate world so long you just know how that stuff works. <laughs> <laughs> I've never had a corporate job, and I can only see that that perhaps corporate world and and court stuff is very oh, yeah. similar. Oh sure, they, absolutely. All the definitely all the, are the double speak, the sniping behind people's backs, the you know people vying for positions in power and power, saying one thing. Yes, mm-hmm. and maybe okay. So maybe using that as a jumping off point, if you don't know how to run a courtly game just go look at what it's like in your in your cubicle or all the people vying for power all the ineffectual middle management suck-ups trying to get promoted.
1: Dude, I would watch like an office space like RPG, you
2: know. <laughs> 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 yeah, I got a meeting to with to the bobs on Saturday. So, yes. Yeah, I'm going to need you to come in. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. Maybe maybe that's a great archetype to kind of record you know, for court intrigue is just the corporate world. Yeah.
1: I love that. That's a good way in If you're having trouble accessing it, I think that actually sounds really, really plausible. There's a lot of you know cutthroatness and all that kind of good stuff. I think there's a lot of things actually you can get in that. I think about like dance moms and those kinds of things too, where it's just like there's fight any fight for power, I guess, you know you can kind of kind of pull from those there'd be some fun characters to throw in too. Um, yeah, the court entertainers.-hmm.
0: <laughs> Ed from Minnesota says that he ran his d and D group. Into he had the, his D D group travel to the I think he means Emerald Empire, um, which is the the setting for L five R, and and threw and threw them into court politics. So they're absolutely loving it along with the horror of the Shadowlands. That's a very interesting idea. Take people who aren't from because are you familiar with L five R, Terry? I'm not. I've never played it. Okay, uh, Legend of the Five Rings, and mm-hmm. basically. If you think of D and D and a lot of your typical fantasy games as being sort of like European-based fantasy, right? Like Tolkien, you know what I mean? Yeah,
1: yeah. No, Lord of the Rings. That's why right. I think about all that
0: stuff. Yeah, and the um, Lord stuff. L five R is a fantasy based on Asian cultures. Oh, cool! Very heavily Japanese, but other Asian cultures as well. So it's it's entirely different mindset. And it ta- you, normally it takes players, unless they've played it before, it takes them a while to sort of get into the the same sort of mindset and how the sort of definition and meaning of honor is different in the in different cult- mm-hmm. in these different cultures. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it what a, a friend of a friend of mine uh, describes it as as that game where everyone plays a paladin.
1: That sounds amazing.
0: <laughs> yes. I would really
1: like it's, to play
2: this game.
0: It's really fun. It's a really, really fun I think game.
2: I might be paraphrasing paraphrasing Jim, and maybe I'm doing it wrong, but I think he said that the interesting thing about L5R is that you're playing in a subservient culture as opposed to where everybody acquiesces to power and everybody bows and, and it's And it's not a, you know, I'm stronger than you kind of thing. Everybody's much more polite. I forgot, he said an actual, he had a, a snippet. If Jim's listening, perhaps he can say... Can, type in and let me know what he said it's a brilliant summary of, of what it is
0: there well i mean it, it the, the the way we run we the way we, i've run it is your your actions you're definitely responsible for your actions and you will get called on the carpet and it has serious consequences and one of the reasons i think the game ends up being um that ha- has that sort of where, where everyone really kind of takes the whole Honor thing very seriously is because the game is also extremely deadly. So if you have a character and you get into a you get into a, a duel with someone, there's a fairly good chance you or the person you're dueling with is going to die, and it all comes wow. down to dice rolls. So you really don't want to offend other people, and you don't want other and, and when other people offend you, you kind of want to you know t- turn the other cheek unless it's a real serious offense and you're going to lose. Status over it. Then, all right, we're gonna throw it down. But it, it's a really fun game. But
1: has got to be like ultimate diplomats. It sounds kind of like more like a game of mafia or something. Right? Yeah. Like,
2: yeah, it is. And, and it's really figured it out. A, it's a sh- it, the goalposts shift too, depending on who's in charge or who you're taking orders from, or even mm-hmm. who's who's won the war recently. Or so so. Sometimes your honorable actions for from one point of view are dishonorable in another. You have to be really careful. It's just a minefield. Yeah. Every time you make a decision. There's all these other ID all these other branches that could possibly affect you and usually do. Turns out.
0: All right, I, I'm a, I'll go on to the second name. Thank you, MRCJ, for the email. In case you know, the, in the recorded version of the podcast, that doesn't happen. By the way, uh, this, I'm I'm Stu and Terry's joining joining us as as well as Stork. Just because I'm saying that because I forgot to hit record at the very beginning of the show, so there's that we're
1: all happy to be here still (laughs)
0: yes (laughs) all right i'll read the next one since it's a novel uh new listener question from sean in silver springs by the way if you email us and you're a brand new listener note that you're a brand new listener because 99.87 percent of the time it will get read on the air and it usually goes to the front of the line Uh, this one is a little old because we've had a backlog but always want to hear from new listeners
1: i used to live in silver spring what's up maryland that's
0: awesome. Oh, is it really? Could
2: could be Silver Spring, Colorado. You don't
1: know? No, no, no.
0: That's Silver Springs. <laughs> I think this is Silver oh, right. Spring. I you're looked right. it it's up. Plural. No S. Uh, hello, wonderful Happy Jacks crew. <clears throat> uh, from what I've heard, so many of the people that send in questions and comments are longtime listeners. I thought you might enjoy hearing from someone brand new to the Happy Jacks community. As in new this month, excellent. Wow. Well, this is probably three months old. Um, I've been playing tabletop RPGs since the early '90s, starting with AD&D. I also I also use the research digital use and research digital tools and online communities, but I never really explored them in the context of RPGs for things like forums, uh, actual play videos, and podcasts until recently. I waited into the RPG podcast scene after strong recommendations from a GMs panel at the Magfest uh con in Baltimore this January but the groups and content I checked out never resonated with me fortunately Google and Spotify's dark side magic figured out my curious explorations and led me to you well, excellent. oh excellent wow it turns out going through the trouble of getting on Spotify might have been worth it. I guess, yeah. <laughs> wins, <laughs> wins, either their win.
2: Either their algorithm's really broken, or it's really, really good. Right. Well, he, Super good. Maybe yeah. he's still listening. <clears throat> uh, so you can
0: imagine my awesome sauce surprise when I took the Happy Jack's plunge and encountered the massive backlog of podcasts, epic Happy Jack's community, and overall online presence. In addition to your avid Embrace of diversity in people, thoughts, and games. Y'all are a breath of fresh gaming air. Now I'm a regular podcast listener. Excellent. Thank you. And working backwards, join the Facebook group and signed up on the forums as of today. Huzzah and drink! Huzzah! I'm, I'm drink, 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 drink. With that backstory, let's get to a couple questions. First question involves splicing game mechanics from different systems. One of my favorite things to do at cons is to explore new systems and settings without much commitment.
2: I'm with you on that. Yeah, it's a
0: one great shot. time to do it. Uh, at At the bigger ones, like Gen Con, it's a veritable buffet. Uh, Of course, there is a range of experiences, from the, wow, I'm never going back to that game, to shut up and take my money for your game now.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes. And everything in
0: between. Uh, Of course, there are many GM and other human elements to the game that influence that experience, but I still get get the feel of most games this way for better or worse i don't have the time or local group interest to play all the great games i've picked up along the way Uh, this led to some experimental tinkering where i spliced novel game mechanics from one game into another while trying to respect overall game balance and the original game's intent and quote unquote feel to ensure we're on the same page, I consider this type of game splicing to be to go well beyond general house rules that only tweak the game's mechanics without actively integrating other, game, other game's mechanics. We see variations of splicing in some big games like D&D's 5e, <laughs> Inspiration, Having Roots uh, from things like Savage Worlds, Bennies, or, or Fates, Fate Points, but here I'm looking at stuff that is not yet officially incorporated. For example, take the game Better Angels from Arc Dream Publishing, which I highly recommend if you haven't tried it yet. The overall concept of the game is that characters are regular people with superpowers given to them by a demon, and the characters become supervillains that do bad things at the behest of their demon. Characters don't really want demonic powers or to be supervillains. It's more of a self-sacrifice so the demon doesn't give their powers to someone that is truly wicked and evil and cause the world harm. Excuse me. Uh, This explains why we have the common uh, troop of supervillains doing illogical things like a monologue of the entire plan to to captive superheroes Put off switches nearby their ultimate evil device <laughs> oh I see and then usually get caught because they wanted to get caught because caught but satisfy their evil overlords
2: that's genius that is that right? makes perfect sense
0: <clears throat> the, uh, the novel element in Better Angels is that players play their supervillain human and they play the power granting demon for one of the other players interesting uh, right. Characters and demon co- and demon co design occurs with both players getting both players together. Usually, the demon is created and played by the, the player seated to your right uh, at character creation. Who I will now call Player Two. Of course, you can change seats later. The the seat to the right is just for getting started. Um, it gets really fun when Player One once want, their supervillain human to use a demonic power and they have to negotiate with the demon controlled by player two for how much evil needs doing in exchange for access to that power. It becomes a balancing act that carries through to other scenes, longer relationships and helps foster dynamics I've never quite seen in other games that encourage player agency on the narrative. It works remarkably well. Yes, there are, there was the occasional hiccup example a player doesn't show up for that session but a good group but good group norms and pre agreements solve most of most all problems i haven't had the chance to run better angels much for campaigns but i've had great success splicing the negotiate negotiate ability use with another player dynamic into games like fate and various d20 games imagine player one's mage has to do a, uh, a hopefully quick negotiation with Player Two's fire elemental patron to cast a fireball in exchange for some pyro related future action. Player Two portrays the deity for Player One's cleric, giving divine power for the faithful for for faithful service, or even have Player Two assume the role of a sentient piece of equipment that engages Player One in some diva request before allowing its power to be unleashed. I imagine that any of us crazy enough to delve into crafting our own games have, at least in some part, cherry-picked and synthesized our favorite game mechanics from a range of systems into our Franken-game.
2: Uh,
0: yeah, so, yeah. so, after I mean, the long-winded yeah. setup, mm-hmm. my first multi-part question is, what do you think about splicing mechanics across games? What, if any, games and their mechanics have you spliced? And... To what effect did did it have in the game and with your players? Let's stop there. Has anyone ever done that? Because he's not talking about basic house ruling, because I've tweaked right, stuff. Right, right. He's talking I, like supplanting a, a rules section from one game and putting it into another, which is more than house ruling.
2: I I once ran a superhero game where everybody was a, was a magic type person, but I had everybody with a different type of magic. Uh, one And one person was using all the spells from the D&D book and basically relied on those mechanics, whereas other ones were they could pick any power from the champion's book, and another one had a power po- pool that he could do whatever he wanted, whatever he decided he wanted, but he, once he ran out of power, that's all he could do. So I, I was basically juggling three or four sort of different systems into one game. It wasn't really a champion's game. It really wasn't a and d game. It was kind of an amalgam of both, but I, I've never really... And because each magic was different they were using different dice and they were all kind of okay with it and i, I never it never ran long enough for me to really see how well it worked but i you got to be really careful with this because you can start getting really unbalanced things stop making sense it, it, i don't know it seems like it's a real it's a real minefield you have to be very careful how you how, what you're what you're doing and it, i think a lot of things have unintended um, consequences
0: Oh, yeah, I think you're always gonna. There's always the possibility that you're gonna do something like that. It, it, that happens with house ruling too, and mm-hmm. you're gonna realize, oh well, that was must, that was set up that way for a reason because we've had that happen. And back when we did D&D fourth edition, we were desperately trying to make combat go faster. We came up with ways to do that, and then one of the players is like, I specifically built my character, and what you're doing now totally nerfs it. Yeah. So and. And I mean, I I don't think I've ever supplanted rules to that to this kind of extent. Because I mean, when we run games here now, especially since we started doing actual plays, we're trying, trying, I said, to run the game's rules as written, kinda
1: we do our best i mean you got to do a little bit i mean it's i feel like it's different if you're playing a home game versus a stream game for sure yeah because you know it's it's a different production and and, and building it for entertainment i literally just gm my first game ever a couple weeks ago oh wow oh, congratulations, congratulations.
2: <laughs> it's a week Thank of first you. for you
1: i know this 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 quarantine time is is given afforded me time to play more games and <laughs> run things too which is really cool um I'm, I'm, I'm happy in my gaming world right now. I love it. Um, yeah. So I GM'd. it was like, we did a, um, a one shot for some people. We've been running D and D, but we did a PBTA that night and it was, it's kind of a homebrew completely, you know, um, mostly just did for, so we had a little bit of mechanics to get through a story basically in the night. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it depends on your intent for the game is what I'm kind of getting to it. Um, you know, of, of what, your goal is with your group. I mean, if they're really just wanting to just, you know, have fun and and, and um, build some story together, I feel like you can kind of make up stuff as you go along and, and push some stuff together. But if like, I think what Stork was saying is if you're doing something that's gonna be a longer campaign, um, I think it can get really hard. To maintain a proper balance of like you know uh, maybe somebody builds something too strong or not strong enough yeah. and uh, it doesn't jive well with what you've already got you know going in the world and as you as you are moving forward and if you don't have a proper way to you know level up properly with them um, you might have to keep tweaking and keep tweaking so it's like you've got a, an old car that you're trying to like put new parts in and then maybe it doesn't need this old car doesn't need a computer in it yet I don't know <laughs> right and and
0: it gets more difficult along the way. Yeah, I think the the I mean what 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 he's describing about plugging into a game, I think you could plug that into almost any game without any consequences. I mean, you're you're you are in some ways kind of nerfing or you're adding a hurdle for spellcasters if if it's that kind of a that kind of thing that you're using this negotiation for. Right. But um I mean I mean, can can you imagine if, like, oh, I don't like the way this game does damage. I'm going to take the damage from this game over here. That kind of integration could be a mess.
2: Well... I was going to ask you, Stu, because you actually are creating a game, or I've created a game, and you've been spending an enormous amount of time working out balance, <sighs> damage types, damage stuff, and all of this stuff... No, I mean, I know. the point is, I the takeaway is that amount. there's a <laughs> lot of thought and work that goes into balancing a game. It's not just sort Absolutely. of am up. You know. So when you start messing with those things, you start pulling on that thread, other things go awry. Because yes. I've been watching Stu struggle with it, and something will work for a little while, and then it doesn't, and he has to go back and rethink it, and it's a lot that's a lot of work that the designers spend a lot of time working on. And I think to, the, to your average layman, if you start pulling parts, pull, pulling the game apart and putting other things in, I think you're just going to end up with a mess.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, well, with Moment of Truth right now, because I'm working on the second edition of it, I'm, I'm completely changing the, the way damage works. It's not going to have hit points anymore. You're basically going to have, you can take specific kinds of wounds and depending on which wounds you take you get negatives to stuff but the the changing just that tweaked all kinds of spider webs all over the place it's that solar i now connected.
2: oh yeah. and, and that's exactly what and yeah especially what i'm, just, yeah, especially that's exactly that's what I'm ten-
1: getting at. And especially something that's been tested, because usually when you're doing a new game, I know like all game designers, like I've played like test games for people and stuff like that too, just to see how something works and try to figure it out with them. Right, and they go through so much, know. you know, yeah. and 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 tweaking and testing. You're right to kind of figure out how it's all going to work, and they they're they're trying to get it, you know, to a place that makes sense for everybody. So um, it is hard. I mean, that's, I guess, you guys are, would be your own game testers if you want to try doing this and splicing stuff together. Yeah. Um, and just know that, hey, you might hit a hiccup, and it may not be great, but um, if you have a, you know, a willing party that's willing to try it, I say try it. But then maybe, you know, uh, you might be reminded why uh, game designers <laughs> sure. are doing what they do yeah, <laughs> and absolutely. why you pay them and why you pay for your games. <laughs>
2: and I've, been watching, I've, I've been watching Stu struggle with stuff. And like he said, you know, he tweaks one little thing and it throws everything off. And he's been going through probability charge and he goes Girl. through uh, all this stuff. I had to, make to learn sure that uh, the game. It's, it's like it's like when you're when you're making a program and you want it to be stable. <laughs> It, it, the program might run, but eventually it breaks down or breaks apart. But you need it to be stable, so he has to go through all of this stuff to make sure that everything is fair.
0: I'm trying to yeah. come up with a combat system that that where combat gets resolved within, like, three or four rounds. And I, I sat down and and had to extensively read a, a bunch of stuff about Excel to basically create a spreadsheet that would give me, like... Ten rounds of combat between two characters, and then I can tweak the numbers. There's like a spots where I can go and change change numbers around to see what's going to work, and t- to try to figure out okay, at what point does one of these characters kill the other one? And and, and it's like, I, I, no, it's still taking too long. <laughs> it's so frustrating, and just you just end up in the weeds. And it's like, oh my god, I know so much about Excel that I never wanted to know,
2: <laughs> and it still doesn't
0: work. <laughs> And I still can't figure out how to fix it. Right. <laughs> All right.
1: It sounds like statistics and the world's problems. <laughs> oh,
0: That's the reason I made it in journalism. <laughs> All right. Uh, my stats second... Hard. <laughs> I'll go on to a second question here. Let's see. Okay. Uh, my second question pertains to game materials management. On a very recent season, 26, episode four, John from Iowa asked about GMing with OneNote, and the chat focused on GM tools for notes management. I'm curious... About if and how you all organize your various gaming documents, more for your general use and and prep than actual play. Physical physical documents like game books, in my opinion, have a few have a few limited number of shelf com, shelf combinations. Although my library colleagues uh, will likely glare at me with laser eyes for saying so. After a few house house moves and having uh, having spouse. That finds physical book collections to be clutter. I'm so sorry about
1: that. Oh I'm like goodness. devastated for that I, of <laughs> too. I was like, seriously? I have so many books and I just, I, I continue to move them with me. I do not care.
2: <laughs> I love walking in and seeing a house full of books. I, don't, don't know, just I, them, I feel like I'm in a library and I'll just go through and look at the, what they're reading. It's very cool.
1: I just think it's sexy. So, like, yeah. you gotta have a bunch of books. Right? I, I just know keep what. keep those bookshelves. Fight for them, man. Fight I, for it. I recognize every
0: word in that sentence, but I don't understand the sentence now. <laughs> anyway, uh, I've moved most of my RPG material to electronic format. Um, right now, most of my content is organized in traditional folder setup, organized uh, mostly by game system and setting variants. However, I find this traditional folder system to be very limiting when it comes to remembering where things are located since. Uh, they could also be organized by game theme slash field, dice mechanic, material type, uh, such such as core book, advent, adventure module, or general supplement. Gmail's tagging features revolution, revolu- revolutionized how I use use email to make uh, and made me far more productive, and I anxiously await the day they offer tags for Google Drive folders. They don't have? That's. I guess they don't.
2: Yeah, sometimes um, you actually have to search the Google Drive for stuff. I've yep, had to do yeah. that on numerous occasions, especially. It. Yeah, I hate it. Unless too. you like
1: figure out what kind of folders you want to put them in, and like, yeah, right. that's another. And then you got to remember what you're
0: searching for. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> until th- until that. Uh, that and that would be my perfect solution for my gaming conundrum. Until then, I'm left searching. For a way to manage my nearly 70 gigabytes of stuff that spans Congrats. more than 100 systems with over 6,500 files buried across 500 folders, it was more than that. But a painful lesson in hard drive failure oh. had me relocate to the cloud. Oh. Uh, quick not hat not nod close. to Drive Through RPG for being able to re-download purchases. Oh, absolutely. Um, my second multi-part question, how do you manage your electronic RPG files and do you use any particular software or services? What solutions and tricks do you use to help navigate your collection? Uh, thanks for being awesome. Sean and Silver Spring just outside Washington DC. That's um, right. uh, PS if you made this made it this far drink PPS surprise lightning third question virtual tabletops. As Gaming tools for groups that meet in person and or partially partially online good, bad or ugly, and why, and if you use virtual tabletops which which do you which do you uh, do which of the platforms do you prefer and why okay back to the how do you guys organize your your PDFs
1: i, I don 't uh, have anything on the computer, mine are all in like plastic and the, by game, and I have them all in a, a notebook like notebooks. <laughs>
2: I have a uh, I have a couple answers. Is um, I have a bunch of gaming things on my computer under like you know RPG games. Each one has its own folder. And whenever I'm actively playing a game, like say for example Vampire right now, Stu, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll copy and place it on my desktop. And then I'll go through and I'll make a separate folder for Glittering Night. And I'll drag and drop stuff that I use for your game into that one folder. And then I have that that I can access at any time I want. But again, I'm only playing, so the the stuff that I need isn't all there. But if I'm M, like for the freak show stuff, I'll make a separate folder and I'll start adding things into that folder that, for that game, and eventually compile um, the source material that I need. As a player, I have found that these these things here really, let the record
0: show. He's holding up a folder.
2: I'm holding up a folder. <laughs> these things are really really interesting because they you can not only not only do they have multiple sides, but they also you can fold up and down. Yeah, let me I describe legal, it. To,
0: that, that's um, it's basically like legal. It's, yeah, a, lawyers. it's a it's a file folder that has like an extra page or two in the middle of it and then it has those little uh flippy tab mm-hmm. things at the top where you have the two hole punch at the top
2: like super big brads right <laughs> and, I've, and I've, exactly. i exactly found it i found it really game changing for me because you can just keep everything all in one place you can have different sections for rules a character portrait uh, you know cheat stuff a uh, whole section for notes so instead of having random sheets that you're shuffling through. You keep it all together in one place. And then you just have one thing that you move with you from game to game or, from, you know, you do want to come back. Because uh, it, it, in the past, I would always just have loose sheets of stuff or a spiral notebook or even a peachy folder. And the folders just never really worked for me because, again, you're pulling everything out of the folder and it's still loose sheets. Peachy folders. Wow.
1: I, well, I have Jeez. a folder, but I have a clipboard. So when I'm playing a <laughs> game, I put everything on the clipboard. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so I have my, you know... My little plastics.
2: you got to try these. They'll change your life.
1: I like my clipboard, though, too, because I can <laughs> write on it while I'm taking notes during the game because I'm one of those people who will write so I can keep my notes for circling back whenever I get back to a campaign.
2: Right. Um, Stu, might, thing Stu, might remember, Stu might remember this or because he's left-handed as well, but uh, we left-handed people had a real hard time with spiral notebooks yes. and normal notebooks because the big old thing is right there where your hand is. Yep. So I eventually it took me forever to figure out to do everything backwards to write.
1: Well, that's you know, why it's not a notebook. That's why I, I pull stuff out of there. Just, each game gets its own little plastic Oh, there you go. Clipboard. Mm-hmm. Right or left-handed people could use a clipboard, right?
2: Yes. No, because I curve around the top.
1: No,
0: see, that's I don't curve around the top. I refuse oh, you're to do curver. that. Yeah, I, I write I, I write left-handed as if I was writing right-handed. where my The position of my hand has stayed the same. I'm very stubborn about that. And I had all kinds of cuts and scratches on the side of my hand from the spiral stuff yeah
2: I remember erasable <laughs> but i wouldn't pens. change <laughs> erasable pens remember the when that was a thing and you would write oh and yeah because because it didn't dry immediately by the time you got to the end of your sentence everything was blurred yeah just so it, a big have to long the smudge word
1: upside down then
0: is that the deal <laughs>
2: um
0: for now I, for i i have I, my collection is not as big as this guy's collection but i had um i had a network a, a networked attached storage device that basically is a very simple computer with a giant hard drive, and mm-hmm. it um, <clears throat> came with software and it would automatically back up selected folders like at one o'clock in the morning or something, so it constantly kept that and what I would end up, what it ended up doing is I ended up only keeping because I use Dropbox for most of the stuff and I, I have a paid Dropbox subscription, but I think it gives you ten gigs i think i don't remember how much it gives you or maybe it gives you more than that. Might it, be like terabyte. two terabytes on, it might give a terabyte. It on might be a logs. terabyte now or two. Yeah. but um, And it, I think mine's about 60% full. But I put a lot of stuff in there. Um, wow. but, but I have my RPG books. I, I do it by publisher. So if it's... And I kind of group them together. So if it's White Wolf and Onyx Path, because they both do Vampire, those will all be in the same folder, and then there'll be subfolders underneath those. And I usually will have old version... Most recent version, and then when the new version comes out i 'll move the the most recent version into the old folder and replace it with the newest one that 's what I did with the vampire so i 've got uh, i 've got the world of darkness version of vampire, um, the twentieth anniversary edition of Vampire, and then the one that's that 's in the, in the most recent folder is now the fifth edition vampire five so um, that 's how I organize those, but I keep most uh, the only stuff I really keep there is stuff that I intend to run within the next 3 or 4 years. The rest of the stuff is on that network attached storage device and I don't even go there probably never will. <laughs> yeah. But it, there's a bunch of Are you just
1: you're just hoarding games in this big drive somewhere? I, I, I am.
2: Yeah. I I I am. But um, I have a bunch of those as well and I probably will never run them occasionally I'll go through and go, "Oh, I should clean this out." And go, oh, but that
0: oh that's uh, right it's like oh, like that? <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh this is a classic
2: it's like that's why i
1: love the guys at games you never play podcast too, right. because they're actually i think it's so brilliant because we had this like facebook group for a couple of years now of like people talking about games that they're never going to play but like everyone's hoarding their games and buying all these things and they finally just started playing some and i love it <laughs> so maybe maybe start another another podcast like that or, oh, or right. try to find some home for it right or you do one night with it with your friends or you know and um try to get through them. That's so many games. There's oh, yeah. no way. There's not enough days. No, there isn't. There isn't.
2: <laughs> and, it, and it doesn't help when you have a, somebody like Tomes, who's who's you know, a small game hunter. He's always out finding the most obscure games and then plays them and we all get hooked so we have to go out and buy that too. Right. Uh-huh. So, yeah. He's our pusher. <laughs> he
0: is. But, um... Yeah, I... I and, 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 well, on my iPad... I... when I use that, I only have game books on there that I either am running currently or playing in, and then games that I plan on running next. That's it. That's all I put on there. I I don't put anything more than that. Because I don't want want it just to get bogged down and fill it up.
1: I mean, the distractions, you know?
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then also, I mean, I, I normally use laptops to run games now. And I have two. So one of them will have OneNote open for my notes, and the other one usually has the PDF for the game I'm running open as well. So
2: I've discovered with age now that some books are harder to read than others. I mean, I was yeah, the other are. day when we were playing um, vampires, watching oh, Sam. Sam was whipping through her phone and was able to just read that little tiny print because <laughs> she's young and she's got great eyes and is a seamstress. And I'm like, I have to blow everything up now. And so even some books, like the current vampire books, some of the <laughs> oh yeah, those are ages, hard to read. They're awful. Some of the pages yeah. like like you you like it has black on like a dark grey background and you're like eh. and I have this. I am definitely this,
1: glad to have that digital and I have this this blew magnifying that. Thing up. Glass
2: right light thing that I that I've had to use on the computer. because <laughs> I can't, I can't What are it. you a dentist?
1: <laughs> so, I want one of those lights. <laughs>
2: well I use it for drawing, or I was for drawing and stuff and, and Is it occasionally like for miniature just,
1: painting and stuff too? Yes. Yeah. Occasionally
2: for small detail work. But but occasionally, it's, I've needed it to, to read some of the game books. So I'm beginning to maybe switch to PDFs where I can zoom up and make it to old man lettering because it's getting—it's actually getting to be a problem. Yeah, um, and it doesn't help when White Wolf makes their their dark lettering over a dark gray background, and it's hard enough for even good eyes to read. Now, no. ha-
0: speaking of which, have you ever seen the Mage book for uh, New World of Darkness?
2: Maybe, maybe I might have it.
0: Virtually unreadable, white pages <laughs> with helpful. with gold ink. Oh,
2: oh, oh, no kidding! No. It's like
0: oh. are you? I can barely. I have to hold I mean, it a certain a way in the idea. light. <laughs> it's
2: it's like awful. We're just getting bounce and hanging? more
1: bounce and more bounce off of that, or what?
2: Jeez. It's like stop being so cool. Just print it out. So can I read can it, read. please? I just I really like your graphics. That's great. That's awesome. But stop. You know, this is a game. We need to be able to read it. <laughs> Uh, Ed, oh, from nice, Minni-
0: Ed from Ed
1: from black and white. Thank you.
0: Ed from Minnesota says, uh, "My brother is fifty-two and introduced me to gaming. I bought him a really big, really big dice for his birthday, and he loved them. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's a thing. It's a thing. It's, it's, it's like also Sometimes you just get tired of, of working so hard. Eventually, you're like, I just need bigger dice so I can. When they roll across the table, I can actually read them from across the table. said, like, What's that say?" Play do you remember? This has just gotten to be too hard. Do you remember when they came out? Up-
1: not to get you guys mini dice. <laughs> right, oh,
2: no. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No good. Did you ever, do you, do you remember when they came out with those, uh, with, with the playing cards that had the real big letters on them so you could read them? Yeah. Yeah. It was like, I'm going to say it was like in the mid seventies. I think it was yeah. when that first time I yeah. saw them and I made fun of my parents when they started using them <laughs> and now I'm not making fun of them anymore. <laughs>
2: I love a big print. I can, I can still read a decently designed game book. It's sure. just like some of them have gotten to the point where it's ridiculous. Well, I've got so I really now. It's, I can
0: read them all, uh, <laughs> unless it's freaking gold, gold ink on white paper. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll bring next time if you if we ever get to game in the same room again. I'll I'll bring that book and you can look at it. You will laugh hysterically because it is it is the most unreadable book I've ever seen in my life.
2: I'm getting a migraine just thinking about that. <laughs> yeah, it hurts. All right, I can read the last one here.
0: Uh, no, he, uh, did he have a... Oh, sig- wait. Was it? Oh, that was his last question. That was yeah. No, no, he had He had. Oh, surprise tabletops. lightning round question. Virtual yeah. tabletops. We, I don't think we've ever... I've never used one.
2: Nope, I have no experience in them. I'm sorry. I'm very useless with that one.
1: I also do not, but I know like a crap ton of people are playing them right now. So since right. this question's been asked, I think this is something that... I think you can probably uh, put out into the universe uh, if you're, you know, it looks like you're on the, in the Internet, obviously, on Twitter and whatnot. Um, I'm, p- I'm sure a ton of people can give you feedback right now. Um, you're probably already playing some if you're trying to meet up with your friends and keep a regular game. Right. I think it's a super nice option, at least. Um, a lot of us have been meeting over, obviously, Zoom here. People are still playing this way, too. Um, it's been fun. Obviously, uh, sometimes there's some weird technical glitches and difficulty. That's the only thing that sucks about it, I think. And making sure, gotta got gotta have a strong internet connection wherever yeah. you're at.
2: Bandwidth um, is always an issue.
1: Bandwidth and, does does. And spend the up.
2: extra twenty or thirty bucks and buy a decent camera.
1: Yep, decent camera, nice microphone. It helps. Yeah,
2: don't use your <laughs> don't use your you know little laptop thing. Oh, I got one on my laptop. It'll be fine. No, just go buy buy an extra camera and spend the extra thirty bucks on it. It makes a huge difference. I I suspect we've had we've had emails about people talking about this before and from what I've been able to 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 grok is that about 5 years ago there were a bunch of different sort of virtual tabletops in development stuff and it's sort of shaken out into about two or three left. You've got Roll20 right. now. Mhm. And uh d well, d D&D,
0: other... D&D kind of is aren't they working on their own? Are they yeah. still doing that? Cuz they were doing that and then they kind of Decided not to, and the the company that was helping them develop kind of went off on their own.
2: Right, but and and, and then, again, that's kind of it. part of the problem too. Is that getting getting the tools in to to play oh specific fantasy games,
0: fantasy grounds?
2: Yeah, yeah, that's the one I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah. so it's sort of shaken out, and so there's pros and cons to both of them, but they've been, all have been very. A lot of people are using them more and more, and so. Back five years, five, six years ago when they were starting they were all kind of new and kind of wonky and they're getting much more streamlined and much more intuitive and much better and so I think at some point you just bite the bullet and buy one of them and it will be good enough you yeah. know?
1: And I think they're going to be good through this, they're just going to get better as this time is happening right now too where so many people are using them I think that this is going to be a great time for them to continue to develop and I'm sure some new stuff's going to come out of this as well which I'm excited about. And I just like that there's an opportunity for more accessibility for your friends that move away, that you want to continue a game. Um, it's a great option, um, you know, for those, yeah, just for continuing connection. I think it's great.
2: More and more people are just doing it because after a you know a busy day or a busy weekend, it's easier than... You know, even LA, if you live in Long Beach and we live in Pasadena, that's a two and a half hour drive, right? Or four if it's if it's in the middle of the week. I don't know, that's a big that's a big commitment, you know. So bad it's in DC to just...
1: too, so he knows. Oh yeah, <laughs> famously. Bad. Yeah,
0: now, the chat room says that there's like Zoom has a whiteboard function. What? I'm not going to look for it now because then everyone would see nah. me screwing around on the on the stream doing that. But huh, that's interesting. I'm going to look into that. Um, also, uh, James in the in the chat room said that uh, Wotsey is not doing virtual tabletop anymore. They stopped because I, I remember, do you remember the big ass, Microsoft's big ass table? Mm-hmm. That word, I think that wasn't that out like around the time we first started doing this the show.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I think because it was for, it was like kind of in the heyday of fourth edition D anD D. I think. Yeah. And I remember they had that. Did, do you remember that, Terry? It no. was this, this giant. It was basically. Apple came out with an iPad, and so Microsoft came out with a table-sized iPad.
1: Oh, yeah. Do you remember that thing? Yeah. It was, it was like, it's like, like a um, coffee table. like a smart, Kind of like a smart board, though, if, like a precursor to
0: that, right? Yeah, Like, yeah. like smart whiteboards. And mm-hmm. you could uh, you, they'd put RFID chips or something in like the minis, and you'd move your minis around, and they someone had written some kind of program for it that would keep track of the hit points of your characters and let you know when...
2: Just all, it was crazy. We were all really excited about it. We thought it would be like the and, next big thing. It's and a really the revolution cool
1: that did it. Yeah. Like right. Google Glass.
0: Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was a $10,000 table. Yeah. Now yeah, they're
2: doing so much with mapping and stuff that you probably just do it on a normal tabletop now and it would just upload virtually and you can just get it. And it's, I'm sure there's so many cool things out there that if you really wanted to do it adapted to gaming, it wouldn't take much. But I don't have that t- kind of time or money. Right or know-how? I can barely read a, a rule book these days because my eyes are so bad. Barely. <laughs> All right. All right. Thank I you. I murdered a character from Verk. Uh, th- thank you,
0: Sean, and yes. welcome to the show. And we're glad you were yeah. enjoying it. And emails again.
2: Yeah, I hope yeah. we answered some of your questions. I feel That's like we've answered. Pleasure. He asked really good questions. We had no answers. I'm sorry. <laughs>
1: They were so thought out. I know. It was, like, a really, like, well done. And I was just, like, man, like, I feel like i in no place to give you advice, dude. Like, you, you, I'm going to call you, see if you can give me some advice um, about some all, of, like, all these games you got. So, uh, yep. yeah.
2: Yeah. That's uh our, our our viewers are smarter than we are. At least For sure. you mean. Okay, sure. so I, I murdered a character from Verk, 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 Verk. Uh, greetings, Jack. Don't, don't you
0: remember um, uh, A Mighty Wind? Yeah. I have to do my Verk. Verk.
2: <laughs> <laughs> a few months ago, I finished a nine-month campaign. In the final encounter with the big bad, I, in cold blood, murdered one of my player's characters. I'm not joking. I could have easily made the boss attack another character. I could have fudged the role to have it miss. I could have done a million things to let this character live. Instead, I killed her. (laughs) Let me explain.
0: I killed her, all last, of them.
2: All of oh, them, the women, <laughs> the children. That poor guy is a fantastic actor, and, and uh, don't get me started. The poor guy it ruined his career. I'm, oh, sh- I'm
0: sure there was a good performance on the cutting room floor somewhere.
2: Uh, you know, yeah. Uh, I, I, I know Natalie uh, Portman can act, right? Yeah. And I know she has an Oscar, but if that was the only film you would ever seen her in, you uh, you wouldn't. <laughs> Over the last nine months. <laughs> don't get me started. You're Over a- the last nine months, I had been running for the same group for at least twice a week, sometimes more. We were playing D&D 5, and for the first two months, I helped, I helped people with their characters and skills. After that, I just <clears> left <throat> it up to them to learn their skills and level themselves up. Side note, this is our fourth 5e campaign. It wasn't like this was their first rodeo. <laughs> okay. yeah, Four, right. Fast forward seven months, this player had not used any of her abilities since I stopped reminding her. Not one. No sneak <laughs> attack, not damage reduction, not even non-combat abilities like disguise and such. Over these seven months, I was torn. Do I continue to help her? Do I continue to tell her how to play? But where do I draw the line? She would consistent, or she would constantly talk about how she didn't like PBA games because she didn't understand the rules. But she totally had d and down and loved it. When I remind her that she had advantage in something, she would say, I know that, so I decided to just let her play out. She is my real-life friend, and if that is how she wanted to play, so be it. As we started to get higher in level, it was harder and harder to balance combat. However, since she was doing one-third of the damage she should be doing, (laughs) on top of that, without the damage reduction abilities she had, but didn't use, if she got hit, she would go down. So, I pulled punches. I had monsters stop attacking her once she went down. I suggested over and over, maybe, read her character sheet. (laughs) All to no avail. So, in the last game, I held nothing back. And when she fell unconscious from an attack, I had the big bad just keep attacking her. Three attacks later, she was super dead. (laughs) Not just dead. Yeah, you're super dead. Super (laughs) dead. She had all the opportunities. She had every option. She was dead. And she had it coming. And yet, I felt bad. Why the heck did I feel bad? Logically, I feel like expecting a player to understand the abilities of their class is completely within reason. But maybe not. As GMs, is it our responsibility to explain how to play their characters and that they picked? I don't know. Am I the real jackass here? As a side note, she took it very well. And said it was the most fun she ever had. Right. <laughs> P.S., drink
1: or don't, whatever. That was my favorite part of the letter,
2: <laughs> the last sentence.
1: She's drinking very well. I, I I'm i drinking.
0: Have, <laughs> I have questions. Yeah. Now, I'm assuming she's playing a rogue or something, because she's got a sneaky Kind Sounded like a
2: bard with disguise. Oh,
0: oh maybe. Um, does she. Is this the first time she played that class? that would be the first thing that I would happens
1: ask. yeah I usually right. playing like a new class like I'm always like I played orcs for like forever for my first time playing and like I just would always be like I'm a, I'm gonna bash and Hulk smash and then like I started playing like tieflings and other things and rogues and other types of characters and I was like oh I have no idea what my true powers are and I will constantly ask but I don't mind asking my idea or just being like can I consult the oracles of the books <laughs> you know <laughs> and figure out what I need to do and build it
2: and, and um, bards, if it, it was a bard that she was playing, are very complicated. Mm-hmm. They can do everything, but they can't really do anything. They're, they're, right. they're even more general than rangers. They can just, and and their abilities are weird. So you really have to know what those powers are, and then mm-hmm. you have to be very good at sort of, I can use, can I use this skill here, kind of thing. You have to know what you have, and if you're if you're just used to playing a fighter, or if you're used to playing even a wizard, which is sort of. You know, I can I can blow shit up, and then when I'm out of power, I can't blow shit up anymore. then that's pretty simple. But with a bard, there's all of this fiddly little stuff, and depending on what what branches you take, it can get even worse. And rogues are also kind of tricky. They've also got all these little subsects and these little fingers, and you have to be very cognizant of what you do. Otherwise, you you know you're just you're wearing tissue paper armor to start with as a rogue, and then you just yep. if, you, if you get too much damage, and the big bad's after you. You're doomed. So, yes, I think, uh, I think yeah, depending on the class you play, you have to be very, very cognizant. Sorry, I Stu, just, I steamrolled all over you. What were you going to say? I, well,
0: I'm, I'm, everyone's saying, but it's seven months. It's been seven months. Uh, the, 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 um, in the chat room, they're like,
2: mm-hmm.
0: seven you months. You guys are
1: hilarious. I don't think it matters. I think sometimes <laughs> you just don't want to do the homework. I'm often that player. I'll admit it. There's a lot of like players re- like that. <laughs> I feel like this was written about me. I was like, I feel attacked. You're feeling attacked. <laughs> listening to this, you know, like... Um, like Abrea knows like she's DM'd me a bunch for d d now and like I'm always like oh I don't I sorry how many dice am I supposed to roll again oh I have a bonus oh I have three attacks now because we're at level like 11 now and I was like I have usually never my home games usually end at like 4 you know like right. or something happens where we don't get this high up so like there's a bunch of stuff that I don't know about the character so 7 months how many levels are they up how much how far have they gone if you're getting further than like I feel like there is a certain like um, even if you look at metrics I think there's some chart I saw of like actually how far most people get with their D&D characters right. it's like level 4 or 5 um, and after that it kind of falls off either your home game falls off or some shit happens and something terrible happens so a lot of people if you're getting up if you were like a really high level maybe she really just didn't know and also she was like I don't want to do this much homework I'm having a good time with my <laughs> friends right uh, great I'm dead hilarious I get it like I would probably be that person and I'd probably be that player I get it
2: so there, there is another thing. Fun. There is Great. another thing that may be happening, and I've had this happen in games, even to myself, where depending on how much festivities you're having at the table, oh yeah, you can oh, sometimes yeah. just not be that sharp. Right? You know what I mean?
1: I don't so. know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I, Hold on, I'm going to get it some Wait. more.
2: Wait a minute, what what when the what? am I playing again? <laughs> yeah. It can it can get it, you can get easily confused. <laughs> that's oh like yeah. The, that's like
0: the Bachelor I played Party some of those games. That, where they played twenty the the Bachelor Party that some of our oh. friends had where they played twentieth level characters or twenty fifth level right. characters in fourth right. edition D D.
2: Yeah. Everyone like made while
1: it. highly inebriated, oh, like twentieth
2: yeah. level or god level characters, and that was the whole design. He's like the guy and the guy that ran the game is a min maxer and optimizer. And so everybody's players were just you know built yeah. to perfection to do, Suit. Yeah, Suit. just do everything. But I,
0: the, I, I don't know. I the 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 attacking the character once they're down, that's rough to me, especially if they're first off. If I'm portraying an, an enemy combatant in a game, once one of them is down and other characters are still up who can also kill me, I'm going to worry about them before I'm going to worry about the one that I just put out. Do you see what right. I'm saying? So there's a level of vindictiveness and GM metagaming into teaching someone a lesson that I'm not really that comfortable with. That, that to me is... It's, it, it seems vindictive. I'm not saying that you were being vindictive, but it seems vindictive to me.
1: And don't be passive-aggressive. Like, I've had a DM be like, dude, do you know your things? And, like, just really ask them instead of, like, instead of saying check your character sheet, you'd be like, seriously, like, you could have done so much more damage. Why aren't you? Or do you not realize that you could do more? Because I didn't see that in in the letter either. So I would just maybe, like, be honest with your friends. Right. Especially if you're, like, really good friends. Like, that's an opportunity to be like, hey, we're real-life friends. I would love to help you. Can we talk about this? I think you could be even more effective with your game. Let's do that for the next round. It will be awesome.
2: And having played non-optimized characters before, because I like to... Especially lower levels, I like to grow into a character so that it, they can become more powerful and later on, whatever. Mm-hmm. I just sort of like that arc, especially with 4E, because otherwise there's nothing to do. You know, your characters, you optimized all the time. But 4E is also built around everybody having the optimized characters, because if somebody isn't very efficient or very good, it can make the whole party suffer. So I can see sometimes if you're... If you don't know your character... The other players are going to get pissed at you. Oh sure, yeah. Now, not you know, not the occasional mistake, but consistently.
0: Yeah, like dying they did to on- you. Yeah. <laughs> but the, now the thing the, the chat room was saying, no, but she said it was she was having a good time. Yeah, she said she was having a good time. That's that's fine. But the guy who Verk, the guy who wrote in, says he did it. She had it coming, and he felt bad afterwards. That's your conscience talking to you. Yeah,
1: and that means you probably should have checked in with her. That's you know what I mean. Right. Like that's what it sounds like. Because if you feel bad about it, that means like you push something that you felt like guilty about. Yeah. So and instead I, of pushing, next time be like, hey, instead of like check your character sheet, like I said, actually have a conversation maybe
2: about it. Well, he did say here. I'm rereading reading in places because he, uh, he would point something out. Just he goes, I know that. So he decided to just let it play out. Right, and the honesty is
1: like, hey, I feel like maybe you, you know, felt like I was maybe pushing you, and I don't want to feel like I'm pushing your character, but questions. And maybe some more questions. I don't know. It's, I like it's honesty.
2: A, yeah, but it's a tricky thing too. At some point, I think he made the right decision, which is he stopped holding their hands, all of them, unilaterally, you know, right, and just said, "You guys are on your own."
0: Oh, I'm down with that. That's fine. I'm talking about. I'm life. talking about the the going and it's like, oh, killed this character. I'm going to make sure this character's dead. Right. Yeah, <clears throat> that, that just that, that, just it just rubs me the wrong way.
2: I, I again, it could be circumstantial, depending on what she did, and, and it's mitigating.
0: And, on the GM's point of view, it is metagaming. Yeah. It, I mean, we don't have all of the details, but assuming that the other characters were still up and a threat, going in and like, oh, I'm going to keep st- three
2: turns stabbing this character to make yeah, sure that he, they're dead dead. You're right. It did say three turns.
0: Right. Three
2: attacks. Three attacks later. Right. She, she was super dead.
0: Yeah. So yeah, that, that yeah, I don't know
2: but it sounds like there's no hard feelings. No, and that's but, fine. Yeah.
1: Sounds like and, you guys and, are still friends and that's good too. Uh, like, honestly, it's about having a good time like at the end of the day. Yeah. So if she had a good time and she doesn't want to, maybe like I said, she's the kid who doesn't want to do the homework, then good for her. She's still had a good time. Yeah. Then she should yeah.
0: really be playing PBTA.
1: <laughs> she really should. That's what <laughs> yeah. it sounds like. Yeah. She doesn't understand it, but she's already been playing it. <laughs> right.
0: Because, I mean, your homework with PBTA is, is reading, what, a couple pages of yeah. whatever yeah. your playbook is?
2: <laughs> yeah. And then you, whatever you want to do, you can do. Is And you're like, staring at it the whole game play. anyway. Yeah. So. yeah, you are.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm going to go ahead and call this. Uh, where's my, where's my song? Yeah! Thank you for joining us for season 26, episode 12 of Happy Jacks RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. I'm Terry. I'm Stork. And we'll, Stork. Sh- and oh, we'll hey. see you Stork. next Friday. And I think I'm running Vampire on Sunday. Sunday, Sunday at 4. What time? 4 p.m. 4 p.m. Oh. Pacific Daylight Time. So join That's us awesome. then. And until then, I'll leave you with a song. And uh, everyone stay safe. Bye. Ghosts or dungeons and dragons, hero has won the fatal savage Why?